Alice or Polly, am I really? Hold your head high, let your freaky flag fly, cause your polyamory should be uncensored. Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode 96, where we chat with Andre and Susanna. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. Hi there, Andre and Susanna. Hello. Uh, so, hi. hi. So I have a, a quick bio that I'm going to read um, because you guys actually have one. Most of our guests don't have bios, so that's fun. <laughs> but then I'll get into our questions to find out more about you all. So uh, Andre Lazarus and Susanna Rose have been coaches and healers for over 10 years, bringing a unique and open perspective to relationship dynamics and helping people expand their capacity for understanding. With a combined 16 years of experience in consensual non-monogamous dynamics, they are bringing their lessons and tools learned over years of navigating open relationships through a brand new, fully loaded online course. You can learn more at coming-closer.com or follow them on Instagram at comingcloserwithandre. All right. So in your words, who are you? <laughs> well, that was beautiful. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll start with myself and then we can talk about us as a partnership. So I am an individual who has gone through many different growths when it comes to my sexual healing, the things that turn me on, and also the relationship dynamics that feel good for me in my current state and what I've felt, you know, through my my life of uh, growth and understanding. And I really, I take a lot of what I've learned and I want to bring that to people so that the lessons, challenges, mistakes that have come up in our you know, dynamic and other like lovers and uh, relationships that I've shared allow people to kind of learn from those mistakes, to, so to speak, and then be able to like have healthier relationships, healthier boundaries around their pleasure as well. I love that. And um, I'll share a bit more about us uh, and our history, which is that we started and um, we met each other in Afghanistan. We were both uh, officers in the Marine Corps. And so we came from ultra conservative, traditional <laughs> sort of lifestyle of what you are supposed to look like, what a relationship is supposed to be. Both of us were very steeped in this. And even in my life, my parents are in a 30 plus year monogamous relationship. My grandparents were married and monogamous for 67 years. Like it was just generation upon generation of mm. traditional monogamy. And so what we really did was step outside of that and follow our natural desires and our intuition with each other, with the support of each other, sometimes in spite of each other, maybe. Yeah, that <laughs> and and I think that that is one of our one of our pieces of magic is to help people who are in some of those places explore safely and smoothly. 
And how do each of you identify? I identify, I think we both identify quite similarly. I identify as multisexual, which is, uh, it's kind of in, in my definition, it's a fluid and dynamic sexuality, which means at some point at some, in some chapter of my life, I may find myself being more bisexual. I may find myself being a little more pansexual. I may even be more heterosexual in a season of life, but I believe that we are ever changing, ever shifting beings. So I have the capacity to hold lots of sexualities uh, within myself. And yeah. what are your pronouns? My pronouns, uh, I, someone said one time um, that I heard, and I like this. She said, she said, my pronouns don't exist yet. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I, I like think it. that's correct for me. Uh, my pronouns don't exist yet, but in this lifetime, in this season, I go by she, her. Okay. And uh, I, he, him, and similar to what Susanna said, I identify as multisexual and uh, kind of what she said, but also labels have been tricky for me in my life. I've found what are these like particular terminology and no one really fits who I am. So when I found multisexual, it was the broadest terminology that I could find outside of what is like cisgender, heterosexual, you know, male-bodied individual. So as she said, you know, I, I find attraction and love and intimate uh, spaces with uh, all different genders. And depending on where I'm at in my exploration or where we're at together, it might be more heterosexual, it might be more queer, um, but really uh, it's the best umbrella term to really put me into a box because I don't really like confined <laughs> boxes. We don't love boxes. Yeah. Completely understandable. Yeah. And what does polyamory or consensual non-monogamy mean to you? Mm. You know, we when we developed our course, we sat long and hard for years, actually, like thinking about what that means to us. And um, I like how you separated polyamory and consensual non-monogamy because I see them as, you know, separate terms while poly, I see polyamory fitting under what is the umbrella of consensual non-monogamy. I, I look at consensual non-monogamy as the ability for a person or multiple persons to share in connection with others in a consensual way. So if you're partnered, um, you are being very transparent and sharing that you have a sexual, um, spiritual, intellectual like desire to be connected to someone else. It doesn't have to be the traditional terminology of sex that we like think about in this day and age. It could be completely non-sexual relationship, but if you're forming a bond with someone and it's done in a way where your partner is in the know and supportive, then I see that as being a consensual non-monogamous relationship. What about you? Um, I have always felt that consensual, and this is one of our favorite things is we have somewhat different definitions sometimes, <laughs> um, not, not too radically shifted, but I see consensual non-monogamy as like an umbrella term in which polyamory is one of the categories of. So if we were going to look at like, you know, a, a rectangle, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. 
<laughs> that's kind of how I see it is consensual non-monogamy for me is an umbrella term that's like any kind of relationship in which we are engaging in intimate relationships doesn't have to be physically intimate with um, multiple people or multiple beings and then polyamory is one one category of that in which uh, we are forming deeper uh, perhaps romantic relationships with those beings, or there's a level, I kind of see it as like a level of commitment, um, whatever commitment looks like to you. Yeah. I think to that, like commitment in, if someone has certain feelings around the way that you are acting in the world or the way that you live your life and they have some form of say or determination in how you decide to like, be that person, that's where I see polyamory. It's more than just, you know, this is my partner. It's I'm now making decisions that might affect this individual and that might affect the way that I feel and how they feel. So yeah, that's, I like how you, you put it. What drew you to polyamory and or consensual non-monogamy? I feel like this has been baked into me my entire life and I just didn't know it. I didn't recognize, I didn't understand the terms. I didn't have the education to be able to speak about it in a clear and concise way. But ever since I was young, I had multiple loves. I had multiple people who I would call a girlfriend or people that I was dating. And when I started to be kind of like conditioned and trained into what is like a more traditional monogamous relationship. There was something about it that never felt fully like, like true to me in my body. And I would go to the next person and, you know, break up with, or find a way for that person to break up with me. Cause I definitely never enjoyed breaking up with someone, but because in my mind it was wrong to love and desire this person if I was with this person. So I look back when I was like a child and when there wasn't that conditioning, that's where I feel like I started my true like understanding and desire of what is like polyamory open relationships. And then as I got older into like my 20s and 30s, it started to come up for me again that there was I don't know if, if you both have this feeling when there's something about the way that you're supposed to be acting in life that doesn't feel good for you. And you feel like you keep like running into this wall of like not being able to understand yourself. That's where it was coming up for me. And when we met each other in Afghanistan, we were both married. We were both married to other people and we both fell in love with one another, but we didn't feel like what we were doing was wrong. We felt like it was perfectly okay to, we actually bonded over the love that we had for our spouses. So that is where I think it really took off for me and where my education really just started to like go like wildfire was my connection with Susanna and really just sitting in what I always knew all along that I am someone who is not read for or meant to be in a monogamous relationship what about you um yeah he did it 
Because <laughs> I'm blaming it all on him. <laughs> um, but actually, if I look back, the more I've I've had this question a couple of times. And when I look back, I'm like, oh, I really did not like the idea of commitment when I was younger. I remember being like, my excuse at the time was I don't have time for men. I'm too career driven. Like I'm too, I can't be like pinned down, but truly I would always have multiple people that I was dating at the same time. And I refuse, I was very big on like, you're not my boyfriend. I did not like labels. I was really, um, anti those things (laughs) from a young age. And, uh, and it did keep me like free. I felt that like level of freedom, but then I met my ex-husband and got into a really deep monogamous relationship. And so I thought, well, this is love and this is it. So we better get married because I'm from Georgia and was raised in the Methodist church. So this is what we do. And, and I want to be able to have sex. So I'm saving myself for marriage. Like that was my conditioning early on. Um, he literally like took my abstinence ring off and put an engagement ring on. That was like where I was. (laughs) Wow. Wow. When it was official. Official. The ring went on. Yes. Um, And that was, um, and that relationship, all I wanted after a couple of years was to break free. And I really would you know, I felt this like trapped feeling Mm -hmm. and I started to, um, explore that by like having dinner with other people and not necessarily telling him exactly how that went down. He was always, he always gave me space, but I was not fully honest with him. I wasn't cheating on him in the ways that I was told cheating looked like, but I was for sure, you know, I'm sapiosexual. So I really get like a sexual, desire out of juicy conversation and like intellectual, um, experience. So when I met this man and we fell in love and I, my body also desired him and we were intimate together, this man right here, okay. this I one, wasn't sure. the one on the same, this, the one next to me, okay. you, <laughs> um, then I, then it, it delved into like, like, this is cut and dry. Like we are having an affair and I had to sort of wrap my head around that and why my body would want that. And I realized, but it still didn't feel wrong. And we had these conversations like, does this feel wrong to you? No. The only thing that feels wrong is that we can't share it with our spouses. So um, yeah. So when we continued and our marriages fell apart sort of separately um, on their own, they, um, that's when we were like, okay, maybe we're not going to do it the same way we did with our spouses. <laughs> Good plan. Yeah. <laughs> not going to make that mistake again. What kind of things do you find difficult about non-monogamy? <laughs> <laughs> I wanna How much time do you have? <laughs> um, yeah. You can yeah. This is, this is my, my arena. <laughs> um, it is jealousy is a really big one. Uh, I feel jealousy in a powerful way. And at the beginning, um, it was really difficult to start to engage with other people, especially other women, and see his energy be offered to them 
in a similar way that it was to me. And I would feel, I mean, I felt like rageful and I would not be kind to other women because of that. It was very much that like primal, this is my man kind of sensation. And we learned to, and I learned two things about jealousy. The first is sometimes jealousy is because there aren't clear boundaries in the relationship. And there's like, our body is actually feeling that there's an injustice or like a a violation of our boundaries. And there's something that's unsafe. And so what we did with that was we learned how to create safe boundaries in our relationship and to commit to each other deeper to the level where I felt safe that I was always queen and number one and like, and the one that that was special and unique, no matter how deep he might go with another person. And then the second thing we learned about jealousy was that jealousy can also be like played with. Jealousy can be, it can be a very sexy experience and you can kind of play on those like shadows in a kink space. And when when we turned it around and began, I began to feel pleasure while feeling jealousy. Um, that's when I realized like all of these shadow emotions that we have in the relationship. I feel jealousy because I deeply, deeply love him and I am attached to him on some level. And that's okay. It's okay for me to to have attached. So we we learned how to kind of navigate that by um by just making it a pleasurable experience and also making room for it, making space for it and be like, why are you feeling this feeling? Right. Like doesn't mean the feeling is wrong. It means you have to figure out how you're going to manage it. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And thank you. Thank you for that, my love. Hard things about. Yeah. I think the hard thing for me is that she and I have different ways that being open feels for us, like as individuals, while we share this relationship together, this partnership together, we look, have different viewpoints on love, on the way you connect. And I feel mine has fewer boundaries and fewer limitations. So because of that, I desire maybe more freedom than she might. And so the difficult thing for me is having that feeling of freedom, knowing that I am going to be completely honest with her and very transparent about how I feel Sometimes it hurts knowing that what you're saying can possibly hurt the person you love. And that's, I think, a challenge that most feel when they start to really have these transparent conversations with one another in a relationship. But I also feel so empowered by the fact that she knows what I'm telling her is the truth. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword, but I would say for me, at least in the beginning, being very transparent about my freedom, my desire that I knew would sometimes conflict with her own was probably the most challenging. This brings up an interesting point that I want to that I want to share, which is what the way I see this challenge is actually there's two voices in a relationship, usually could be multiple voices, but there's two like polarities. One polarity is the individuation piece. The other polarity is the love bond piece. So one side is someone, and usually one partner is the voice of that, 
is like, I want to be free. I want to be my individual sovereign self. I want to explore. I want to, you know, give me space, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like that. And then there is the love bond voice and, and other side of the polarity, which is this, um, I want us to, I want to be committed. I want to be grounded in our love and I want like closeness and I want to feel that we are each other's and that balance of the love bond is really powerful. So that's not to say that in my opinion, both partners are, or all partners are always going to want both, but one person will typically be the, the, the more vocal for each one. And those kind of, they feel like they conflict, but when we can find a really nice balance for both, then yeah, it, it works out. And I think that's a balance that does, it's not a constant. It shifts. Oh yeah. It's like, I, I liken it like standing in tree pose and yoga, right. And you have, you're standing on one foot. You're always moving. You're always moving. You're never not moving. You're always like, little bit Mm -hmm. like this and they can shift from partner to partner Mm -hmm. like most i would say most of the time i am the one that's supporting the individuation while she supports the love bond but then there's times that i take on her role and vice versa and i think at least for us that's what's been really beautiful about our connection and while it's I don't want to say it's felt effortless because <laughs> there's a lot of effort that goes into who we are and how we got to where we are, but there's so much excitement and curiosity that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's been eight years. I feel like I'm still like getting to know her. And that excites me because the second that I feel boredom, then it's like, mm-hmm. all right, we, we got, we got to, shake this up a little bit i just keep you on your toes <laughs> where did that come from <laughs> i don't know but it's adorable so cute we've really addressed this a lot but i want to just give you another opportunity if there's something you'd like to add um when did you know that you were polyamorous or non-monogamous i would say the moment that i really knew was the moment that I fell in love with her. That was the moment because I still very much loved my wife. And I had a lot of like moments of like checking myself and maybe some shame around that feeling of you're not supposed to feel this. Again, I was still part of the the system and this control of, you know, the way that there's one traditional way that we are supposed to be in a relationship. And that was fed into my life over and over. And the moment that I fell in love with her and loved another, I was like, this, this is who I am. This feels so authentic to who I am. It was like a rebirth, a reawakening. And I felt like I had like a weight on my entire body for all my life up to that point. And then it was just like obliterated. So yeah, it was, it was huge. Wow. I think the same for me. And the reason why was I felt the feeling of deeply loving two people at the same time. Like I could hold that in my heart. And that's why, and we've been in a polyamorous relationship where we had a girlfriend for a period of time, which we may talk about more later, but, um, and I, and that 
was challenging <laughs> and it ended in a challenging way. And yet, because of the experience that I had of falling in love with him and being in love with my ex-husband at the same time, I know that polyamory is always a possibility for us. Like we, it is always possible for us to have hold that amount of love in our hearts. Um, even if, even if at periods of time we're more open or just consensually non-monogamous. Yeah. I believe that it is possible. And this is always a fun question. When, if ever, did you feel different than other people? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think the moment that I can recall, like the earliest moment that I can recall was when as a high schooler, I felt a attraction to men as well. And again, it's not a novel idea. Like it's, but at the time for me, it was, and it was not something that at least anyone in my school ever talked about either being gay, lesbian, bisexual, other identifiers. So that's where I kind of knew that there was something different about myself from others is because I enjoyed my intimate encounters with the women that I was spending time with. And although at that time I didn't realize or feel confidence in being intimate with men, there was still this draw, this desire that felt, again, very much a part of who I was. I just I did not have the wherewithal education or confidence to really explore that at, it, at that age. I don't think I knew that about you, that it was high school. Yeah. I mean, I think high school is when like the feelings yeah. started to manifest, but I didn't actually explore any of that mm -hmm. until later in college. I love getting to know him through these therapy sessions. Thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, just met actually. <laughs> Our bio's a lie. We... <laughs> I was young when I knew I was different. There are three things that come to mind. Um, I had imaginary friends when I was very young that were very real to me because I lived on a farm out in the middle of nowhere on an organic blueberry farm. And it was like me and our dogs and we didn't have a lot of people nearby. So I spent a lot of time by myself. And I think I explain, I like introduce someone to my imaginary friends who you, were, you have to let them know who they are. Tell them who they are. <laughs> Bowie, Paka and Goosey Malusi. Bowie was a teddy bear. Paka mm -hmm. was a white cat, like the fancy feast cat. Yeah. And then Goosey Malusi was a purple goose. And oh my God, that's so cute. It was adorable. <laughs> Actually, I should say is because they all still exist. I'm, I'm sure. And I introduced someone to them and someone was like, what are you talking about? And I remember being like, oh, like I can see them and I can experience them and hear them, but you can't. And so that sort of, and I do a lot of spiritual work. So I'm, that was when I kind of realized I had maybe access to some things that other people didn't. And then there, uh, and then there was a moment I was on an all black gymnastics team. I was the only white girl. They were the only all black gymnastics team in Georgia. And then I joined and they couldn't say that anymore. And there was one girl who was hugging everybody. And then she came to me and she said, I can't, 
hug you because my mom says I can't hug white people. And, and it was like a thing. It became sort of a deal. And I remember being very confused and completely separated from the concept of difference of like your skin color is different from mine. So we can't interact. And we had a whole like meeting about it. And I, the whole time I was just like, none of this makes any sense to me. And everybody else seemed to make it, you know, quite, you know, it was their reality. So, so it, I think from a young age, um, and then there was the last one I'll say is there was a girl who fell in love with me in sixth grade. And she told everyone that she was a lesbian and she was in love with me. And I was like, my reaction was like, great, wonderful. I'm so glad that you love me. I don't love you in that way. Um, but I remember everyone else making a thing of it and me being like, I don't understand why this is a thing. So all of these things, I just didn't have like the social conditioning to understand why we were like the discrimination or any kind of like difference didn't didn't resonate with me. And that's when I knew I was different. <laughs> I really want to meet Goosey Malusi. Oh my gosh. She's so cute. <laughs> those are great stories. That's such, it's so interesting. Both of you, like, thank you for sharing those with us. Thank you for asking. And um, I haven't asked, but for both of you, um, what are your pronouns? Uh, I use she, her. she, her. I also use she, her. Okay. So where would you say that you are in your poly journey? Hmm. Hmm. So I also am a coach and I have clients and I often reference the mountaintop, like the precipice, the, this is where I want to be. And when I'm here, then I've made it. I don't have any more work to do. <laughs> like this is where, and what I tell, what I tell my clients and what I believe is it's a never, it's a never ending journey. Like it's a constant journey of growth, healing, education. So there's not really a, a upward scale for me. It's very much like a roller coaster. It's so like so where I'm at, where I'm at in my roller coaster journey, I would say is on the like the up climb of really going beyond just knowing about consensual non-monogamy, polyamory, open relationships, but getting very specific to like data research. I want to like be able to speak on behalf of myself, my partner and others who might not have a strong voice in their desire, in their pleasure, in the relationship that they want to be able to be able to speak on it intelligently and provide hard fact data scientific you know analysis to those who need that i don't believe i i don't need that and um but there are people that want the factual evidence to why this can or cannot work as a relationship dynamic so i feel like in my journey i'm very much in the exploration of knowing more like calculated research so that I can then be able to provide examples to people who might need a little bit more, more hardcore evidence, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is kind of like developing yourself as an advocate. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Love that. 
That's a great description. And I mean, what about your personal relationships? Where are you in those? Oh, I mean, they're all over the place, but in the most beautiful way, like we're, we, um, we actually, we have a, a girlfriend here, um, staying with us for the last week who we've known for what, almost three and a half years. And the last time we saw her was almost a year ago. So a friend that's a girl and is also sometimes intimate, not like the label girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Again, labels <laughs> just don't fall on me. Um, so, uh, I'm really at a point where, I am enjoying the opportunity to explore my intimate, physical, energetic connection with people. Um, yet, I don't feel like I'm in a searching phase. I, I feel like I have a lot of different connections and a lot of beautiful connections. And now it's more understanding how those connections fuel me are valuable to my life, lift me up and how I can do the same for them. Mm. I love that. I love that. I see you in a phase of like deep curiosity. Like there's not as much of a drive or a need. It's more of a like, Ooh, like what would this feel like kind of thing? I am in an interesting phase for about the last year. I lost a really huge portion of my sex, like sexual drive. I, I do think that as women, we're a little more of like the sexual response, but um, I didn't have as much of that sexual energy that I was feeling in that area of my body. I think it was actually traveling to other parts of my body and kind of awakening that as I was deepening into a lot of spiritual work. And now I'm kind of coming out of that little like hibernation <laughs> and, um, and excited to uh, I'm I'm exploring. I'm also in a phase of curiosity and like, what can I access? How many like different types of humans can I be intimate with? And exploring different ways of being intimate, especially those that are a little more like sacred intimacy tantric exercises, like how do we use energy with our bodies? Not as much penetrative necessarily, but more like deep, deeply intimate and um, spiritual experiences with others. So that's where I'm at. And I enjoy doing that with Andre. I also am now branching out a little more and, um, and exploring on my own and even like age differences, like exploring the different age realms. <laughs> that's kind of fun. So yeah, that's where I'm at. And to that point, uh, something to share is we like experimenting in our relationship, like the way that we hold our connection. So recently we went through what were, we called seasons of our relationship. So we had a month where we closed our relationship or we, we focused more on one another to really just, you know, reconnect with our love bond, our, our individual intimacy without um, exterior influences. Mm -hmm. Then the next month we explored completely separately um, where we both had our own individual like explorative um, experiences. And then that next month is where we are normally like seated in exploring together. Sometimes we'll also explore separately if we've both been with that same person. Um, so that was a really cool like experimentation for us. 
So it's a great question that you asked, because if you asked that in a week, it complete a completely <laughs> different answer. Yeah. It's one of my favorite questions to ask people because it is so interesting to hear not only how people hear the question, but then, you know, what kinds of possible answers there are out there. It's yeah. just so fun. Totally. I love that. And you kind of touched on our next question, which is where do you hope to go on this journey? Mm. Ooh. Mm. And I not hope- necessarily like what mountain are you trying to climb? Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a visionary. I like to vision. So this is a this is a great question. And I really enjoy thinking about like what kind of am I seeking? What am I looking toward? I would say that what I'm seeking and what my North Star is in this is the ability to feel deep intimacy with little to no fear. And and I noticed like with with anyone, with like all people. So I could walk around, you know, like the gurus and be like, every person. I love them. They're all precious. And like, you're, you know, I could be in a sexual space with you and I, we could find some way, some modality or some moment where we can find deep intimacy. And I think that comes from my challenge of feeling disconnected from people and feeling not as empathetic and not as compassionate in my younger years. And so I kind of struggled to find deep intimacy because I walled myself off. So I'm exploring what it's like. I had a, a, a mentor and a teacher. We were doing a session together, working in ceremony, and he gets really close to me like this, like like his nose, like right up against my nose, forehead. And he's like, how does this feel for you? And he's like six, five. So he's a big guy. And I was like, this is terrifying. (laughs) And I know him well, like I, I know him really well. I was like, this is terrifying, but I trust, I trust your medicine and his medicine is intimacy. So, um, it was one of those moments where I realized there's still a lot there um, right. that's I mean, holding me deeply in your body. I can yeah. see where that's like, <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it feels a little scary. So I would love to get to a place where people could get that close to me and I could experience that deep intimacy and feel really comfortable um, in that place on a daily basis and a regular basis. Yeah. Where would I like to be? I feel like I've had the fortunate ability to have some incredible experiences. And while there's always, you know, room for opening up new avenues of, you know, pleasure and connection and deepening like bonds that I share with you, Susanna, and then share with others, I think where I'd like to be is not so much focusing on myself, but a place where there's a beautiful community, global community of individuals speaking on sex positivity, being able to have conversations at a dinner table about their open relationships and it not feel like something that's taboo or should be only spoken about like in dark corners. So, I'm kind of switching your question around and saying not where like I want to be. I think where I want to see 
all forms of relationships to include like even like monogamous relationships that it's not this is the only way to be in a relationship here is the menu and guess what you can have this one day and you can have this the next day and you have that ability so that's my hope for the future is being able to have this on a global scale in a way where we're not having to like justify it just is it's like oh yeah the people next door we know them they're great people not oh the people next door they're in an open relationship. They have people over all the time. They leave the windows open. We see lots of sex, which <laughs> definitely happens in this house. <laughs> I really hear echoes of what you were talking about uh, in the last question. And that also like you're developing yourself as an advocate to create that world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also from your experience of mm-hmm. like, you don't want to feel shame for the sex sexuality that you have that you feel yeah you don't want to feel ostracized or different from the world you want to feel deeply accepted and part of the community just like everybody else and know that that you get to explore whatever kind of relationship and when you grow up your care your parents are like sure like you can have whatever kind of relationship you want yeah so you don't have to fight the system yeah i i I feel fundamentally at my core that shame is something that we have created. We have created shame and we have created the idea that I have to be careful about what I do, what I say, how I am, because if someone sees it and then they ridicule me or they think what I'm doing is wrong, I'm going to feel like smaller. Mm -hmm. So yes, I totally resonate with that. And when I say advocate, and I, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. It's not just advocating for consensual non-monogamy, open relationships. It's advocating for possibility, for choice, mm-hmm. for the ability to be unique and different. And um, I, I feel sometimes I hear people speaking about, you know, when it comes to like consensual non-monogamy or polyamory, I hear them speaking from a point of this is also like the way it should be. And like, you know, monogamy is toxic and these are all the reasons it can't work. And while I have my own feelings about that and have done enough research to say that there's a lot of understanding in those, you know, those thoughts, um, I want to be an advocate for people to be their free uninhibited selves to be in their full power which could be monogamy exactly yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and i think that that's an important point to sort of clarify because we do end up creating so many sort of false dichotomies Mm -hmm. currently in american culture that it makes it very difficult to understand you can live your life a certain way and be advocating for the freedom to live your life the way that works for you. And it actually has nothing to do with anybody else. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and also you. It can be comfortable to other in this time that we're in right now. It can be comfortable to stay in the polarity and what we are moving toward, in my opinion, in the new, in a new consciousness is, is, 
rising above the polarity and recognizing that it's yin and yang, like it's all necessary. It's all important. And really it's about us finding a a balance that feels good for us and not othering. There's no S and us and them. (laughs) We are them. We are us. (laughs) Why would you say that you are polyamorous? I, I think I also want to like clarify that I see myself as a consensual non-monogamous individual. Yeah. The reason I say that, because I think there is a lot of interpretation of you're either polyamorous or you're monogamous. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, there's no in between. So um, I see myself as consensually non-monogamous and the reason um, or why I see myself that way is I have a lot of love in my body, in my heart to give. And this dynamic allows me to give that love to my partner, to lovers, to friends in a way that for me feels uninhibited. I don't have to worry about, oh, I can be flirty and fun with this individual, but not too flirty and fun because I don't want them to get the wrong idea that I don't want what they think that I want and just starting to like create stories in my head. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to give myself to this person. Mm -hmm. And if through communication and understanding, I see that there's a window for what could possibly be a physically explorative, you know, experience why not do that? So I think that's why for me is because there's a lot of love to give and I enjoy not holding myself back from it. Great answer. That's so true. You can borrow that. (laughs) Ditto. Um, I actually don't know if that's my reason. (laughs) I have love to give and um, I give it in a lot of different ways. And I think that I do have, I have an abundance of love to give. And I would like to not be on some level. I am also the individuator in our relationship. I very much like freedom and I like possibility and I like the pot, the opportunity to explore. And when there are boundaries placed on me by something else, I will place my own boundaries. Thank you. <laughs> I don't love when there's some limitation that's added to me and I'm like, oh, well, now I have to live in this in this box. And I think also having been in the military and having been in some of these bigger, very boxy structures in, in our society showed me what it was like to live in um, live in limitation. And I would like to live in unlimited life. So that is really what what powers me and the opportunity to be able to see and experience people in all of their layers. I can tell you that when I was with a woman for the first, well, I was with a woman, I was actually sexual with women before I was sexual with men um, in my exploration when I was very young. But the first time I was like intentionally with a woman as an adult, I, and I like went down on her. I, I walked away from that experience being like, oh, I get it. 
I get how freaking powerful we women are. We are incredible. And I had a whole new experience of the female body and the power of it. And so I got to see these different layers of people. And even like our very deep friends, I get, we get to create deeper intimacy with in friendships because we've been naked together, because we've taken all of the other stuff off and been in a sexual space. So I think that's a huge part of why it helps me with intimacy as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting having friends that you also have like either sexual experiences or sexual by proxy, or they've been to parties or, you know, at the same time. And it, and it feels so strange to try to even explain that to someone, you know, saying like, oh yeah, well, that person is my coworker, but also I've had sex with her boyfriend, you know, like, or, or whatever, you know, like, and, oh yeah. And they have a relationship with my husband, but I, they're also my workout partner, you know, like, or whatever. You know? so, it's very strange to explain to, especially like vanilla monogamous people who have never heard about this, but I'm like, it's not a big deal. Um, but, uh, it just is. So, but I'll be honest. I totally love the shock value of when you get to share something like that with someone and just see their brains start to like either implode or explode. They're like, wait, your girlfriend's husband's father. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I was out for drinks with uh, one of my partners and her brother, who is also polyamorous and a childhood friend of theirs recently. And we were explaining our living dynamic and which is also plays into her relationship dynamics. And he was like, and the person, the childhood friend is a math teacher. He's like, I don't know how you can keep track of all of these things. <laughs> and she looked at him and said, I can count to four. <laughs> I can count to four. That's adorable. Perfect. That's yeah. super cute. It's simple when you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Excel document. It yeah. keeps everything. Yeah. I wanted to start an Instagram that's that was called We Sleep With Our Friends just like i just like the concept i'm like we sleep with our friends and mm -hmm. then you get like a whole new level of friendship i can also tell you that the the coolest part for me is like the community that we build through this when we when it's in a healthy and like loving experience and you get to be in those intimate relationships like it is not a big deal for me to ask someone hey can i stay at your house for a week can i like and even people who I may not have been sexual with, but are in the community, there is like a, there is like such a bond in this new way. And you don't feel uncomfortable, like asking for people, asking for things from people or, or being together in a close space. I think we've had literally people here and living in our house for like this entire year since we moved in yeah. who have all been people that we have been intimate with at one point or another. And it was like no big, you know, okay, oh, can, can I stay with you for a month? Sure. Yeah, that's why we always make sure we get a place with an extra bedroom. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I don't or know a bigger you... bed or a bigger bed. Right. Both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have listened to our musical episode, but there is an absolutely wonderful song written by one of our community members, um, the chorus of which is uh, go ahead and fuck your friends. <laughs> 
And it's absolutely fabulous. I can't recommend it strongly enough. It is so much fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to find out which one that is and we're going to listen. Yeah, I I, I can love it. it I definitely see the two of you screaming with laughter and this becoming part of your regular playlist. Fuck your friends. Yeah, Yeah, that's episode 85. Polyamory, the musical. 85. Okay. 85. Right after this. It's definitely great. I'm going to listen. That will be our new theme song. (laughs) It it really should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. <laughs> so our our last question in the um, like beginning portion of this before we get into our topic is uh, like, why did you reach out to be interviewed today? Yeah. So to that point of like the advocacy, I feel like there's so many people who are speaking on advocating for preaching about how monogamy traditional monogamy, finding the one, all of these different ways of like creating the connection through what is the hope of that one person to fulfill you for the rest of your life. You hear so much about that, you know, and it's, it's spoken about, it's, it's literally baked into, you know, politics. Like we, they talk about it all the time. You don't really hear a lot about, you know, again, open relationships, polyamory, consensual non-monogamy. And while it's growing, it's still very, very like, you know, it still feels underground a bit. So we're not in class anywhere. Yeah. And I feel like I have really found my voice. It, I'm still finding it, you know, continually learning, continually building, but I have a voice and I feel so proud to be who I am in my skin and be able to share the experiences that I have with my partner, again, with other people that we've connected with throughout our, you know, our exploration that I want to speak on it. And I realize it's still a bit crunchy for me, but, you know, while social media like Instagram and TikTok people turn to these as ways to like be able to interact. I enjoy conversation. I like being able to talk back and forth. Yes, I can go and do like a 30 second reel and make it cute and kitschy and maybe sometimes sexy, but um, I feel more comfort in being able to have conversations. So like podcasts and, and, you know, workshops, that's where I feel really empowered when you can share in the energy. It's not just here's a recording, here's a post. And now it's like, you're, it's, it feels very one way. Yeah. I like that. And you're so great. Like live. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I think a, a big reason why we reached out and why I do this work, um, is because two reasons. First is I really want, a lot of this is about like women and and the feminine rising um, in this world. And I had a lot of trouble navigating consensual non-monogamy at the beginning because there is still a lot of toxic patriarchy in the community and a lot of like, well, I'm going to use this as an excuse to like sleep with a bunch of women or sleep with a bunch of people. Um, and you don't get to, or, you know, and that didn't necessarily happen in our relationship, but I, I watched it happen in others. And I had to really learn how to speak up and be like, no, this is not okay. Or this is okay. And I would love to be able to pass that on to other women, especially so they feel deeply empowered. 
And I also believe, and the second reason is I believe in anything that is going to get us outside of the systems that we've built to explore something a little bit further, a little bit more. A lot of the work I do is about going outside of what our normal tendency is for for healing, for growth, for um, for relationship style, just to be like, hey, there's there's something else. Like you can try this other thing that maybe nobody in your community is talking about. But if they hear my voice and they hear him and they see us being successful in it and it working for long periods of time, then maybe people will be inspired to do something. I'm like, I'm like, wake up guys, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> and, and to her last point of like, yes, we have found success in our relationship, but we have also worked very hard at it. This is not something that like we just woke up and we're just super joyous to be next to each other all the time. And our sex life is just fireworks. No, there's challenges. We, we have disagreements. There are times that we're not, you know, wanting to be around the other person or not feeling sexually attracted to, or our sex life is like maybe stale. We have worked on this relationship and while we have found success in it, we continue to work on it. So I want to make sure that I, I hammer that home mm-hmm. that don't feel like because your relationship is running into roadblocks, mm-hmm. that means that that relationship is doomed to fail or if you, you're going to find that perfect relationship in someone else. There's no such thing as what I classify as a perfect relationship that's going to be challenging, whether it's monogamy or any form of consensual non-monogamy, you're going to have to work on it. So yeah. our- so the very idea of like the language found is so oh, yeah. weird in this. Like I yeah. tripped over non-monogamy and it was great. No. <laughs> <laughs> you worked at it. Yeah. <laughs> you built it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Happily exactly. ever after is happily ever working. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. just constant rituals and focus. I love that. I tripped over consensual <laughs> non-monogamy. No, we search for it and yeah, it work. Yeah. And we created it. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey there. Interested in more Polyamory Uncensored content? You're in luck. We just started a blog, polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com. We're going to be showcasing stuff like episode breakdowns, polyamory and ethical non-monogamy related book reviews, and guest posts from authors like you. If you'd like to be a guest author, contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com and you might be able to see your work up on our website. Again, that's polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com and we're going to have some fun new poly-related content for you. Thanks. See you there. All right, and we are back uh, with Andre and and Susanna. And today we're going to talk about uh, for a while with them about like dealing with jealousy and uh, specifically when meeting new people and and how to deal with that. Uh, so what are your guys' experience with this? And then and what tools um, have you developed to to deal with jealousy? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick this one off because I feel like you know, we've we've had uh, many of this discussion before and you usually lead on this one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. The way that jealousy shows up for me is unique in that 
I don't generally experience it. Uh, jealousy is not in my current state. I don't want to say ever. I've definitely like had jealousy um, earlier in my years, but as I've been in this relationship with Susanna and been in, you know, consensual non-monogamous dynamics, I have really felt like very seated in who I am and who, what I want and also derive so much compersion for my partner. Um, so for me, jealousy is a bit of a, it's a friend in that when and if it comes up, it's something that I really enjoy feeling because it's not something I normally feel. So I actually like, it feels nice in my body to be like, oh, that's, that's where you are, old friend. It's been, it's been a minute. Uh, as far as tools, um, I think for myself is sharing that is the conversation piece. So tools would be like setting rituals with her to where we will sit once a month and we'll just share what's on our mind. And that might be a perfect opportunity for me to share about a, a jealous moment, or we might go for a walk and move our body, get out of what is like a confined space, be in nature, and then continue the conversation around the transparency of jealousy and how it's coming out for myself. So yeah, that's why I, I wanted to go first this time because we have a different philosophy on jealousy and how it shows up for us. Mm, mm, I love that. Um, I think the first thing I might offer is that I would shift the languaging to navigating or working with jealousy because dealing with jealousy suggests to me that it's like a, I'm I'm pushing it away there's like a resistance in that word that suggests that it's a bad thing or that there is like a darkness to it and I do believe that there there is some like shadow and darkness to jealousy however I also am not afraid of shadow or or darkness because these are the these are like the notifications that actually tell us a lot about our our human experience so the way that I have learned over many <laughs> trials and errors <laughs> I learned the hard way with jealousy several times um, I will actually start, a little further back, which is most of us learn to be jealous from our community, from our intimate relationships or watching other intimate relationships. For me, for example, my father is very jealous. He's the kindest, most loving, wonderful person. But if my mom is talking to a man that to is include including Andre, but I mean, he's, he's dangerous this one. So <laughs> I get it. But <laughs> Doesn't really matter how old the man is. My dad's like, excuse me, like, hi, I'm, you know, so-and-so. And, and there is that, that jealous experience there. And so I watched that and I watched it almost be glorified a little bit. And we also glorify it in our media and we celebrate it in our media. It's like, oh, if he's not jealous of you, then does he really love you? Does he really care about you? So, so... I would like to not necessarily glorify it, but bring it into a place of like jealousy is a notification that there is something in the relationship that is feeling unstable or unsafe 
to me, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then I get to explore, okay, is that something, is that coming from me? Is that mine? Or is that something that the relationship can work on together? Is that something that we can, we can do through boundaries? And at the beginning, I would project it all onto him. And I'd be like, it's all you. And you're the one that's causing me to feel jealous, which is just not true. (laughs) And what we did was we started to piece it, like unpack it. And when I felt jealousy, I would go, Hey, I'm feeling jealousy and being able to have the space, like he said, the space to be able to talk about it and the other person not be triggered. Like, okay, you're feeling a feeling. Cool. Let's talk about that. And to be calm and then to say, all right, where is that feeling coming from? Are there things in our relationship that I'm not doing to show you that the love bond and the commitment is strong and that you are a priority? And then we we do a check mark of all those. And then we go to, okay, well, what, what is it in me that I might need to heal or I might seek to heal in order to be able to feel comfortable with your exploration? Mm-hmm. So it's really that conversation, that communication. Right. And that internal work of, you know, you talked about, you know, what you experienced in your family of origin, that like, oh, I am having the feeling of, you know, my dad, you know, reacting to my mom or whatever, or, you know, this specific memory of whatever. Yeah. I'm imitating what I have seen mm-hmm. in, in my past. And this is the only relationship that I've seen up close and personal. So that one seems like the right way to do it. And, and consensual non-monogamy is all about redefining relationships and moving away from some of the examples we've seen and navigating it in your own way. So really that requires a level of like breaking down the feelings and jealousy is just one of those those feelings that comes up and gives us an opportunity to make our relationship more stable and and set our boundaries and to do our own individual work on either side to say, okay, how do we, um, yeah, how do we navigate this together? And once you get, when you get through the portal of jealousy, it's kind of like grief. It's like on the other side is so much depth and so much like stability. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. I say go straight into jealousy rather than running away from it. Well, and I think that your reframing, um, Really also goes to uh, some of what Andre was saying about compersion, because like we're happy for our friends when good things happen to our friends. We get excited. We're not like, I'm jealous that, you know, you have a new couch or that you, you know, love your job or, you know, whatever that you are dating somebody and they're making you happy. Like we're happy for them and being able to think about, you know, why are we allowed to have those feelings in some relationships, but not allowed to have them in other relationships is like, it becomes really ludicrous when you think Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I liken it to the fact that like in jealousy, it usually comes up because there's something about this experience that your partner is having. And we're talking in the confines of what is like a relationship your partner is having that 
is threatening to you and the relationship that this person that your partner is talking to sleeping with um, sharing intimate moments with is either better than you or um, you know perhaps you know just either better looking better in bed um, has the potential of that bond that you're sharing with your partner being ripped to shreds and now you're going to be standing and left alone there's a lot of fear that comes up be- when jealousy starts to rear its head and i think when we can work to reframe the connection that our partners or the people that we love are sharing with others as like you said um as like if they were a friend like we'd want to be excited for them when we can start to reframe that and not see this as a threat i feel we can minimize i don't believe like it can be eliminated or should be eliminated but you can minimize jealousy or how it takes control of you because some people can feel jealousy and it not take over their body some people when they feel jealousy they're in such a state that there is no other color but red there is just like a lot of deep whether it be anger resentment fear so it's how you can kind of like bring in the different examples of jealousy to your specific scenario and then again not see it as this is my possible like end to my relationship and i have one one little addition here which is on the sort of toxic patriarchal side of when there is a relationship where one person is um is not holding boundaries or not honoring the other person's boundaries and then that person begins to feel jealous it is important to ask like why why is this person feeling jealous there may actually be a very good reason why this person's feeling jealous because their boundaries keep getting broken over and over and over again, which is why really it is these like two sides, right? So having enough spaciousness in the relationship to talk about it and say, why is this coming up? And if possible, can we turn the jealousy into, can we transmute it into envy or even inspiration, mm-hmm. right? Like, Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm envious of this, which means it's not that I don't want you to have it. It's that I like it and I want it too. Right. And then even further, it's like inspiration, like, Ooh, I want to be inspired by what you're doing. Um, and so, but, but we have to make sure that the relationship is actually safe. Um, and that is a thing that that's a message that, that feels important for, um, a lot of people who might, whose boundaries may be broken in some of Mm -hmm. these circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think at the root of jealousy is insecurities. And if you don't feel secure in a relationship, you're going to feel those really um, harsh feelings of of jealousy and and fear. You know, the I feel like it's it, it all comes down to fear. And, and how do you alleviate fear? And at what level is your fear? Is your fear they're going to abandon me and I'm going to be alone forever? Or is your fear they're going to see the movie without me and I don't get to see the movie, you know, like, cause, like it, it can be very minimal, but still feel harsh in your, in your body. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. that distinction. Cause I've definitely had those different, like those different levels of like, Oh, I, they, they're watching the movie. I really wanted to see that movie. <laughs> 
And it seems and so silly, but being able, yeah. no, but that's where being able to say it mm-hmm. actually makes a huge difference, not just for the relationship, but for the person having the experience. Because mm-hmm. when you say you're going to see the movie with the other person and I'm I wanted to see that movie mm-hmm. like you get like my body was having this big reaction but it actually was overreacting yeah. in this context. Yeah. Yeah. And saying it out loud, I can now see that that was an overreaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well said. Yeah. And I really love um, what you had kind of hinted at or talked about a little bit before of making it kinky. Like, how do you, how do you kind of like flip it and, and maybe play with it? I mean, some people, I don't think that they're going to be able to do that. And I totally understand <laughs> that that's like a, a hard line right I, I can totally see why that would be but i can also definitely see how you could make it like fun yeah please talk about that a little <laughs> yeah yeah well, i i've got a story but you want cool. to share a story yes yeah. yes for sure yeah once the relationship is in a place where it's safe and we can that's that's really the baseline right we have to get to a place where we know that both partners are are have the best interests of the other person and then at that point So I had this one experience where we were at a play party and I was watching him across the room and he was um, going down on another woman who is a a friend of ours who I deeply love and adore. She's a wonderful being. And um, and she was, you know, getting the gift of his of his talents, which was awesome. But so I was watching that with admiration and, and inspiration. But the guy next to me who was like kind of cuddling up on me, he was like, oh, you get jealous because we were talking about that. And he was like, have you ever done jealousy play? And I was like, no, what is this? And he started to whisper in my ear and he was like, oh, she's like, she's loving that. Doesn't that just like make you, don't you wish you were right there? And you were just, and he started to like talk about the gel, the like, even the tiny little bits of jealousy feelings that I might have been feeling in that moment and bring them up to the surface, but do it in a really sensual, sexual way. And I'm a voyeur, so I enjoy watching. And also I like a little bit of that, that like, I'm a little masochistic. I like a little bit of that pain of like, Ooh, like I do want it. And it, it was a teasing sort of mechanism. And so we've played with that in different, in different scenarios. And, and it adds a layer of like, um, like pleasure and pain, um, that feels very exciting and very alivening for me. And then there's, um, a moment that I remember, and we had this conversation or I spoke with her, this um, woman that we both were seeing um, prior to this experience to make sure that everyone had consent to to it. But Susanna had a desire of coming home one day and like hiding in the closet while I brought someone else home and had a really deep erotic sexual experience and she would be in the closet pleasuring herself and that person would not know she was there like watching uh, watching, watching from, like, yeah the corner, yeah of. so obviously there's still a level of consent that is very important for both of us mm-hmm. so we made sure that we talked to this person and let them know like hey this is something we'd like to do this week you're not going to know exactly what when day that will be but um would you be open to that and she was so um we we did it one one evening and it was 
very much that play on like the, oh, I am, I, I'm not part of that experience, but I really like love like seeing my partner getting, getting pleasure or pleasing someone else. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a way that you can play with jealousy, but as you both mentioned, you know, do as much as what feels comfortable for you and your relationship. Do not try to mimic or um, basically like use another person's relationship as your litmus test or as the example, because they might have a different <laughs> agreement, a different boundaries, different ways that work for them. And if you try to mimic that and find out, whoa, this is super uncomfortable for me and not at all what I want, but that's all you know of what an open relationship should be, then there's a chance that relationship will either fail or it will no longer be open because it was too hard for you. And then now there's this message that, oh, I've done polyamory. It doesn't work, you know, and now it's kind of spreads like wildfire. So have these conversations, make sure that you are constantly checking in with your partner. We still check in with one another when we're exploring, um, but dip your toe at first when you're going into these, because this is, I would say, a bit more of an advanced <laughs> 500 um, level class. Way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think with any kind of fantasy like that, um, it's always really important to keep that other person and their pleasure in mind too, because, and I think that the words that kept coming up with me to like in my mind with this kind of scenario is like cuckold, cut queen. And then that third person will be, I think is called a cuck cake, like a cupcake, <laughs> cupcake. And I think a lot of people like, yeah, I've never, I had not heard it. And then I was like, well, is, there has to be a word for this because I know so many people who are, who will play with those dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. And I found it on like Urban Dictionary and I was like, cupcake yeah. is the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I love it so much. Um, but yeah, it's definitely on Urban Dictionary if you want to <laughs> look into it more. Yeah, I, yeah. I, my fantasies are typically cuckold related. Um, and, and that is just what really turns me on. There's a little bit of that. It's, it's, it's playing on that jealousy. And, mm -hmm. and also when I touch myself and I have those fantasies and then I get to tell him about it and we get to like be open about like any kind of jealousy that I might feel, then it feels okay for me to express jealousy in other parts of our relationship. Um, yeah. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. And some people want to be in the situation of being um, an exhibitionist and and playing the the role of the other person who gets yeah. to have, I don't know, pop power and mm -hmm. gets to be the cause of jealousy. Sometimes yes. that's fun too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is a role for everyone. It's yes. a, big, it's a yeah. big, beautiful world out there. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> so um, before we wrap up today, because we have been talking for an hour and a half, Ooh. Uh, we, uh, we'd love to hear a little bit more about like your coaching, about your course and where people can find you. Yeah. So, um, we can start with our course. It's uh, called open to more how to navigate consensual non-monogamy and you can find it online. It's, um, mykajabi.opentomore.com. And it's basically a labor of love that we've been working on ever since we started our relationship. And, 
in the last few years, we really wanted to bring the lessons that we learned together to the forefront for both people who are brand new to exploration and then also for like seasoned veterans in these open dynamics to learn new tools and exercises on how they can deepen that connection with one another. So um, it really, I'm, I'm so happy with how it turned out. Uh, we had one of our most beautiful friends, also lovers, who was the director and videographer of everything. So it just, it was great to have her on the other side of the camera because she got to ask questions and be part of the experience with us that brought up a lot of deep emotion. Like you will see a lot of raw you know, challenging moments in this course, because again, it's a relationship. It's not like follow these steps and you're good to go. Like you're, you, you'll be fine. Like there's going to be um, these moments where you will doubt yourself or doubt the relationship. And we show you how we, you know, it's just one way of doing it, but how we get through those moments. So we have that course mm -hmm. and then um, we also have an Instagram, which is coming closer with Andre. Um, so it's under my, my coaching business, which I'm an intimacy and sex coach. I'm also a sacred intimate as well. And, um, I work with singles with couples on, um, trauma, uh, on finding their pleasure centers on helping to de-shamify desire and really, again, being in their full sexual power. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, something that has been my purpose for as long as I've been alive, but only in the last like eight, 10 years that I really feel seated in that. Mm. And um, yeah. And the course was like, not only transformative for us, but has been really, really shifting for a lot of um, a lot of the people who have already taken it. We're building a community which we'll send um, Lindsay more information on soon. Um, and so you'll be able to actually join an online community of all of these different people in different stages of consensual non-monogamy and like meet each other, which is awesome. Uh, and you can you can follow me on Instagram at Susanna Roses. And I am an embodied consciousness guide. I work a lot with people. I also am trauma-informed and I work a little bit more on the spiritual and energetic level of like clearing out some of the residue of our trauma and the experiences of our being that hold us back from being limitless, from being totally unlimited. And um, yeah, and we would just love, love, love for you to reach out, DM us anytime. We, um, we are excited to meet you all and would love to continue to build our community around the world. Awesome. It's a really cool uh, community and opportunity. And I'm happy that we're able to share that with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you both. Yeah. You did a beautiful yeah, job. You. Yeah. Thank you. Well, for thank being you. On this the was show. a lot of fun. It was so interesting talking to both of you. Thank you for reaching out and thank you for agreeing to be interviewed. Yeah, of course. And this will be our first episode back from our summer break. So I'm really excited for folks to come back to the show and have right, we have a, uh, we have really a class to start out with. with yeah. that. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And have us on again, anytime, anytime yeah. you, there's a topic that you're interested in talking about. We, again, this is the space that we love to be in mm -hmm. is conversation is mm -hmm. sharing in energy. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank so you much. so much. Really Thank wonderful you. meeting you all. Same. Have a Thank good you, day. Bye. 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 And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.